Welcome to Brothers Red, the unique LFC podcast brought to you by Five Brothers. Liverpool came away from the Amex Stadium in Brighton on Saturday afternoon with an incredibly frustrating one-all draw after conceding a very controversial late penalty. Nevertheless, after Chelsea and Tottenham fought out a goalless draw today, the Reds remain joint top of the Premier League on 21 points. They are, however, now only six points clear of title rivals Man City, who have a game in hand after thumping Burnley. Matt, turning to the game itself, there's no other way of looking at it. It was a very disappointing result, a poor performance and uh, a very difficult uh, ending to the game for everyone to accept. Yeah, I think that was the initial reaction anyway. That's certainly the immediate reaction I had, that that it was actually disappointing and it, and it was a frustrating result. But if you if you come away from things, and particularly today, it's not surprising, is it? I mean, we're absolutely decimated by injuries and we've been plagued, plagued by bad luck as well. And, of course, we had the Atalanta game in midweek. So I think it just all culminated in just, as I said, just... just just, just bad luck, really. It like it, the game seemed to sum up how the season's gone so far. Another injury, another terrible bar decision. It just seems like everything has has gone against us. Yeah, and 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 what I think I don't know what you think, Andy, but at this rate, I don't think that we can win the league because because if we continue to have these injuries, then the squad is just going to get thinner and thinner. Players, particularly the midfielders, are going to be out of practice. And it's going to really, you know, it's going to leave us struggling, really. Yeah, I think I'm going to, it's going to be reduced winning points tally this year, isn't it? We've just got to hope our, our, our better players come back as soon as possible. Um, but it's promising, isn't it, the fact that we've not played particularly well, but still near the top, so... Just on that, the projected, so we, I know we're top at the moment, but we look at the projected points totals, We'd get eighty if we kept if we carried on current projection. It's not enough though, is it? And the, well, the last time a team won the league with eighty points was in two thousand, so it's been twenty years. All right. Um. So very unlike. I think Leicester won it with eighty one. So it looks like it's going to be one of those years. So we're going to need James. We're probably going to need to go on a run of winning, you know, at least ten games on a run or something at some point to be able to get over that eighty points mark, isn't it? I think at some point we're going to put a run together, but even though there are so many mitigating factors that we've spoken about recently, you can't ignore the fact, uh, coming back again to things that we said in previous games, that starting eleven was much better than the opposition. And ultimately, Liverpool didn't play well. They were pretty poor in the first half after a really scintillating start. And the second half, they had a little flurry, but um, they never got going for me. And um, I really can't say, hand on heart, that we actually deserve to get the win. Yeah, well, I think you're right. We did start off really well, didn't we? We had, we had was it was it the Salah chance at the start? Uh, it was, yeah, Salah had one. Um, there was a couple of, that nearly, that yeah. nearly fell, wasn't there? Yeah, but we just couldn't, couldn't, it was, couldn't quite score early on. There was about 10 minutes, I think. And then um, Brighton had that one on one chance. Yeah. Where we were a bit naive, the centre half stepped up and the through ball came in. And ever since that we we never really got back into the game. Yeah. I felt like they Brighton had a good spell then and then obviously got the penalty. And uh we, we, we seemed to struggle then in the first half. The, yeah. the team's not gonna flow though, is it? The team's on the flow when you've got each week a different back four, a different midfield 
And even the attacking players are, are altering all the time as well. So you're going to have to expect this, I think now, each week, where you're going to get performances one week which are really good. And then the next week, you're going to see these draws coming, these losses to teams that you would expect to win. That's just going to be a feature. Yeah, I just, just didn't. Yeah, I just didn't feel like the balance was right, especially in midfield. I think that's why when Henderson come on, he, he made a big difference because he was just sitting in the midfield and pivoting, getting on the ball and controlling the game. Didn't have that in the first half. When Alden's played a lot of games, Tacky was coming a lot deeper into midfield, which is which is quite which is he's not that. This is player. weird. He's, he's he's forward, isn't he? Yeah. And Milner seemed to be doing a lot of work out wide, trying to help out Nico. And so I just I just didn't think we um could get hold of the game in mid in midfield and allow those attackers to get them, get them, get on the ball and, and do their business. I agree. Hendo come on and did well, changes the game for me. But you can't have the same midfield every week, can you? So you're gonna have to have it's the reality now the the season. You're gonna get a different midfield and a different back for every game. So my basic point, James. I don't know if you agree with this. Is gonna you're gonna get these disjointed performances. It's not gonna be been. Spoiled, haven't we, from last year, where every single game we were winning? Yeah, we have the it's same just not going to yeah. be. So we're going to get these results where we're going to be disappointed. But um, I thought yesterday on on balance, it was the correct result. I thought we've just discussed, haven't we, that Brighton could have been at least two or three chances first first half they could have scored, yeah. and of course add into the equation James a missed penalty. Well, you can't say we deserve to win, can you? Well, just take the xG for example. That yeah. was that was two point three. To zero point three to Brighton, so they they battered us by two clear goals on that XG, and then the XG does include two penalties, and we'll get on to them. But even if you take away the penalties, it's still zero point eight to zero point three on balance of play. They did have the better chances, but that's gonna be that's gonna be one of our lowest XGs that we've ever probably done. Zero point two eight. When do we have that? It's the lowest this that, season. That low XG. Which again shows, doesn't it, James? That there's, there's there's a disconnect again between because of the the change of the squad and the injuries, there's a clear disconnect between the midfield attack and even the midfield and defence as well. You can't read too much into it. Um, it's too early at this stage to say how we're going to manage to pull through over the next you know, 10, 15 games because don't forget last season was characterised by average, poorish performances with limited chances where we got the win. I mean, there are so many examples that spring to mind. And actually, it seemed as though the established story of what was going to happen yesterday was Liverpool were going to win 1-0, not play well, but it was going to be a sort of title-winning performance. Ultimately, some would say we were very unfortunate because I don't think anyone at the time was prepared to even contemplate that that was actually a penalty when Robbo made contact with Welbeck's leg. I mean, it was... A very bizarre incident, wasn't it? And it just, again, highlights the flaws with the way referees look at VAR. Didn't look like a pen in real time. The two of the referee experts that have come on, Walton and Gallagher, both said they didn't think it was a pen. Um, so it's only when slow motion you start to see the contact there. And if you watch it in normal speed, it just looks like a flick of the boot. The one thing that gets me is that Welbeck did actually touch the ball. I didn't yeah. see that again until I slowed it down yeah. and watched that bit. And then so it, it, it does become more 50-50. But it's a soft penalty, isn't it? It's very soft. And what they said um, when they introduced VAR is it's got to be clear and obvious. Yeah. And 
they want to have minimum disruption for game. I don't think that was a clear and obvious penalty where you where you have to stop the game and, and change the whole outcome of it. Well, it's not judged it in the context of the game, has it? Because it because it's just slowed that specific incident down. It's not it's not it's not put like what it's not kind of showed what's happened beforehand. And and when you don't show incidents like that within context, then it just makes you just judge on that specific moment. So that was never enough contact for Welbeck to go down. This point isn't it, that as soon as people are saying it's a penalty if you make contact with the player in the box, now that can't be right. Just because you make contact with the player, it doesn't follow by extension and they then you get a penalty. You have to obstruct them or foul them. Now that's Robbo did touch him on the boot, but was that enough for Welbeck to do a spin, a turn, and a fall to the ground? Because it, he even just moves slightly, realizes that he's been kicked. It's at least two seconds after that that he, he then decides to throw himself in a theatrical way to the ground. Well, when you've absurd. got, I don't think they get the pen if he doesn't if he doesn't drop to the ground. Yeah, but, the pen. but when you've got a, like a surveillance system like VAR, <laughs> it's mm. not surprised it's not surprising that you're going to get decisions like this. And uh, you know we've we've been we've been on the the end of the bad luck again, haven't we? Really. Supposing counterpoint, how many times has Salah done that where he's he's been touched in the back or he's been clipped and he's gone down and got the penalty? So we we have to be careful that we have to. Um, deploy some objectivity here just because we've had a, a difficult decision to stomach we can't ignore that now in the current climate that even though it's not right in my view as soon as the, as soon as an attacker gets that contact they go down it's just so frustrating the, the, the problem Andy about it is, is obviously it's the timing the other point is Welbeck himself said and a number of his colleagues that it, it wasn't a penalty or it was a soft penalty as Hendo was saying after the match but you come back to this now classic situation where the referee has a view of the incident in context, forms a view in context that it isn't a penalty. VAR sticks its beak in and then tells the referee to go and review the incident. So as soon as that happened on Saturday, you knew that the referee was going to give a penalty because, as, as we've discussed, that is what the understanding is between the officials. If we send you back on-field referee to look at the monitor, that's because we believe you've got the decision wrong and you need to review it. So it, it's, it comes back to that utter farce. I mean, it's just a complete pretense, isn't it, that the referee is studying it with an open mind. But the other problem is, um, is that in any event, he's not looking at the incident in context. Surely the slow-mo should come in after if it's necessary to review the incident more closely because the quality of the of the footage perhaps is difficult. Maybe if, if there's a, a last-minute tackle in the box and there are a number of legs and you can't quite see what's going on. However, we've got to be consistent about it. At the end of the day, Robbo and both feet were coming towards each other, did forcibly kick Welbeck. Now, I understand Andy's point that any contact isn't a penalty, but ultimately, Robbo, however you want to spin it, kicked well back and if you do that in the box which Robbo did you have to expect that there's going to be a, a real possibility of a penalty so it's a hard one to to stomach I wouldn't feel more aggrieved if the referee spotted the pen and then bar looked at it and said oh there's not enough to overrule the referee 
But the other way around, the referee saw it in context. He saw the contact and said, no penalty. And the fact that VAR jumped in to overrule him when it's not clear really frustrates me because it's, it's very inconsistent with how they've been doing it the whole, the whole season. VAR doesn't work on common sense, does it? The opposite. Yeah, exactly. It, it works on, it's so-called, supposed to be very, very precise. So how do you get that balance between being really, really precise with decisions and having some, some, some common sense? Because the current system is just weighted towards, completely weighted towards VAR. And that's not football, because football has a degree of common sense to it. And putting situations into context, which you've kind of already said. But the, the fallacy about it all, Matt, which people forget, is that VAR has been brought in as a technological advancement in the game. And the reason why the decisions are so shocking is not because of the technology. It's because of the human interpretation, the flawed interpretation of that technology. So, for example, with the offsides, the technology shows you, doesn't it, where that arbitrary line is. It doesn't say offside, not offside. Ultimately, one of those idiotic officials has to actually form a judgment as to whether or not Salah's big toe will come onto it was offside or not. And the problem is, it, it's a game which is loved and owned by the fans. And as we've said before, you look at the images and fans don't understand their own game because they can't see why an offside's being given or they can't understand why a penalty's being given. And the rules are set out like clear and obvious error, but they're not followed. The referee's supposed to have an on-field review, but it's a complete you know, pretense of, of an objective revisit because they're just being told to change their mind. So I just think it's a mess. And this is why you've got James Milner coming out on Twitter saying that um, he's losing his love for the game because of VAR. But it's actually, it's the officials, not the technology. James, I think yeah, my suggestion at the moment would be because we keep getting these weekends now where there's so many erroneous decisions why can't we have VAR for just for goal line technology and also offsides and just scrap scrap away any of the involvement from VAR for penalty decisions because ultimately all you're going to get is these weekends where there's a mass amount of decisions which are just horrendous and then you've got you're still maintaining the enjoyment that fans ordinarily would have before VAR of enjoying and celebrating the goal but now, even Matt, during the game, we couldn't celebrate at any point. Well, we've been saying this for weeks. Players can't celebrate as well. But well, we did celebrate the Marnay, didn't we? Yeah, and then we're like, oh. I'm prepared to accept some injustice in, <laughs> a, in a referee, <laughs> in a referee <laughs> missing perhaps a clip in the box. If that's to be put in the balance with us having, as football fans, enjoyment of the game. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just sick of it, James. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's not. I mean, it's not even teasing problems, isn't it? It's it's just much more fundamental than that. The goal line technology, Andy, just to come back to that, is a is a computer based decision. A goal or no goal? That's not what VAR does for offsides. If it actually said offside or not offside, even if even if the technology was in some way quite flawed. I think that would be more more diff, uh, more easy to accept. But as far as I am I'm aware, Paddy, the VAR computer doesn't say offside or not offside. It shows you the line and then 
the officials have to interpret on the borderline decisions, whether they're on or off. Yeah, I'm. I'm not actually sure to be honest. I know that um, from what I've heard, the like the accuracy is is pretty good, and they the technology's older, so it, it seems to be how how they're defining the rules and the, the lawmakers, and then how they're uh, implementing them. But but they're all lines, and then you look you look in detail at the lines, and they, they seem to get it right according to the rules. The one against Liverpool where it, it was a measure against his arm. That is in the rules. It says it's the, to the bottom of there's like the shoulder, so they're they they they're the rules. But the rules for me of on we talk offside are are wrong. So I I do think I I do think it is black and white. I think it is yes or no whether it's offside. But it's my my understanding that obviously not not in clear cases. I mean the technology tells you whether someone's two yards offside. But in the borderline decisions, the one that's been you know, the ones that have been so vexing, I don't think, my understanding is the technology doesn't tell you whether or not that player is offside or onside. What it does, it gives you an image and then the officials have to make a judgment based on their interpretation of the rules. That's my understanding. Anyway, I think, Paddy, Liverpool are not doing very well on penalties this year and are not doing very well on, on VAR. Yeah, massively. I, but just coming on to penalties, we've had nine penalties this season with five against us and four for us. So it's, what's that, 0.9, because we've had 10 games per game. So 0.9, so almost a, a penalty per game. And if you compare that to the other seasons, so in the last last season, for example, we had one penalty against us. Season before that, we had one penalty against us. And in previous years, it's never more bit, never been higher than six. And already we've got five. You've seen Leicester have had eight penalties. The way it's going is we're going to have 34 penalties this season based on the current rate, just for Liverpool, and that's 19 against us and 15 for us. It's, it's madness, absolute madness. It's not the game that, that we that we know and love. It's just it's bonkers. Yeah, penalties were so much more rare, weren't they? But now it's just like if you get a few penalties in a game, it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's a neutral, standard, isn't it? Unless, the neutral, though. The neutral's more goals, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. Perhaps you could spin it that way so it's going to be more exciting. But it's just the, the, the difficulty I have is not the giving of the penalty, it's the consistency of the decisions. It just varies from week to week. Like one week it will be given for, for something and the next week it won't. And that's perhaps um, the problem with, as James says, when you've got the human element, you've got different referees in the VAR box. We can have different interpretations each week. So you're getting this inconsistency, this flux in decisions, which is just not helping fans. Or for that matter, as James said, the players. Which is well, it's like, it's like having a giant microscope on the game, isn't it? <laughs> That's basically what we've had. We've yeah. never had a giant microscope on the game before. We, it's always been... Football has always been... A, in Pacific in the Premier League, it's something that's just, just, just flowed, really. You know, you've seen decisions with rugby, league, cricket... Uh, even with tennis, they've, they've relied on technology. But suddenly now, football has this giant microscope over it. So it's only an, an inevitable process that they're going to start finding incidents. But I, I take your point, Andy, it's, it's the consistency, isn't it? Mm. And that's why I think it's hard to strike that balance between being precise and, and, and being common sense on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just to wrap, wrap this discussion up, I mean, it, it, it's such a controversial or, I mean, a, a emotive subject 
is that if, if they could have something for offside, something which is akin to the, the goal line technology, in other words, where a computer program basically says whether or not a, a player is on or off, then I think provided that technology is, is, is pretty advanced, that'll be a better way forward. And going back to penalties, only interfere where there's a clear and obvious error. In other words, so you don't get decisions where everyone is looking at it and saying that you can't give that or you can't not give that. The jurisdiction has to be limited. Anyway, I mean, the reality of the matter is, as I already said, we didn't play at all well. And it's probably something to do with the fact that we've got squad players in the in the in the starting lineup we started with um tacky as as we've heard in midfield we've had nico williams at right back we've also had phillips at center half i mean what was your view on how the squad players fared in the match yeah james tacky um i was actually at the start of the game i was quite excited thinking well he's been given the opportunity here uh, we've seen glimpses of okay performances um, but what was clear to me, James, I don't know if you agree with this, but how weak and flimsy does Tacky look? I don't want to be too critical. But... You need a bit harsh because he has only just come into the side, hasn't he? I know he has, but the, but... the problem is, is that he just doesn't seem like he, suit, he fits the Premier League um, toughness. He just seems he gets brushed off the ball. And the problem is, when you come into this Liverpool team, you have to, you have to do something. And I can't think now, I know he's only had snippets of games, but I can't think of an example where Tacky has done a piece of magic or a great pass or even scored. Now, I may well cast my mind back far enough for that, but he just doesn't seem to fit, fit at the moment. He, 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 he looks out of his depth, I must admit. He doesn't look good enough, does he? Does he? Basically, without being too harsh, he doesn't look good enough to be in this Liverpool squad. You'd probably put him in the, the, the as he is now, the Origi category doesn't add anything and pretty much lets us down. He doesn't even get, in my view, he doesn't even get into the second string Liverpool team. I honestly think he's that far behind at the moment. But on account that he was only a, he was only a small fee, wasn't he? Something really small, seven. seven or eight million. So I'm prepared to give him more time. And in his defence, he's had these games where he's been in and out, he's played 10 minutes. He's played 15 minutes, so he's not been given... And he was, asked, he was asked to play in midfield as well. Not being given a run of, run of games, but he's just... He seems slow to me as well. He's slow and he's feeble. Even James could knock him off the ball if he was playing. <laughs> well, James would beat him, James would beat him for pace as well. <laughs> um, which is... You need to get him in the... Uh, to get him in the gym, Andy, don't they? Get him on the... Uh, get get him do, following the Mo Salah kind of glutes uh, exercises and things. Get him on creatine or something. Yeah, it's just <laughs> get as a protein. Shake, I suppose yeah. it's disappointing because I think the Liverpool fans were quite excited by Tacky, thinking he was going to be an invaluable member of the squad. But to date, he's been a bit underwhelming, hasn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, some of his stats were all right. He had like eighty-two percent pass completion and things like that. He did. He did didn't really give the ball away much. But if he, I guess, if he did look at. Look at his but his actual distribution. Most of his distribution was was back. Actually, he mainly passed the ball back instead of forward. But maybe yeah, but maybe he was just unfamiliar in that role because he played he played as basically a centre midfielder basically, which is yeah. not what we know him as. It's a confidence point as well. 
if he's having only sm- small segments of the game, he comes in, he knows that he has to do something. So it's almost like, well, I don't want to give the ball away or I don't want to be blamed for anything. So it's that safe play, which I think I think is making him look ordinary. Yeah. Whereas Jota comes in the team. I know it's a night and day difference between them two at the moment, but he then is a bit more adventurous. He, he has a shot at the edge of the box. Yeah. He gets himself in these positions. So I think with Tacky James, just... I think disappointing at the moment, but I'm I'm happy to give him more time because it may well be that he can improve if he if he's given more more game time. Um, as regards to the other players who've just come into the squad, Nico Williams, um, I'm not a massive fan. I know Paddy um, adores him. That's, that's, <laughs> that's complete. Adores him. That's, that's, that's a complete fallacy. That's a bit too strong there, but I don't. That's I, a joke. I, I think he's okay at the moment. <laughs> Strike it from the record. <laughs> I think he's okay at the moment for him to come in and to cover for Trent, but I don't think he's anywhere near challenging Trent for position. I mean, you can easily pinpoint that penalty that he gave away as being clumsy, and poor play. It was naive. But it's naive, yeah, but I, I don't want to blame him for that. I just, I just think he had one good game that he The stats that you pulled up, is it against? Who was it against now? He had fairly good stats um, throughout the game, but I just think maybe because he's young, he has these spells in games where he's he gives the ball away, and perhaps that's to be expected. But um, I think longer term, I'd be concerned if he was our first choice right back if Trent had a sustained injury, because I think that would be a significant weakness. When he first came in, he looked quite aggressive and yeah. was like a hard worker and stuff. We were like, yeah, we've got, we've got a player. Quite there. aggressive. That was, mm. that was last season. I don't think I've seen anything this season. I think he had an early game this season where he played left back and he looked a bit lost and then he had all that stuff on social media. And obviously he's a young lad and I think he's a co- I think he I think he needs confidence. Yeah. I think with all the spotlight and the criticism he's just going to go back into his shell. I see him when he gets the ball now and all he does he seems to turn inside again. Does he doesn't turn, have does confidence yeah. to do anything. He always always turning back on himself and then just dropping it off backwards and Yesterday, there was nothing really on that right-hand side. I've never seen him link with Mo once, really. I've seen him knock it up the line a few times and yeah. give it away. And he, he, just look, he just looks a little bit lost. And I would have Milner right back there all day. I think he made a big difference, Milner, when he played right back against yeah. Atalanta. Oh, no, was it against Leicester? Sorry, it's Leicester. Leicester. Great, great game against Leicester. And then we looked better in the second half when Milner went to, went to right back. And it's such a shame that he got injured because after that... We then had Curtis Jones at right back, who I think had an absolute shock of there and let them back into the game. Um, but I would have, I'd probably take Nico, if, if you could, I'd take Nico out of the limelight for a couple of games, but we just we need him because well, we, I think because I think Trent's the first choice and Milner's the second choice, and I think you have to say to the lad like try and build his confidence up and let him go again and find his feet. Well, he lost the 50-50 for the for the goal, and then he gave away a penalty, and then he gave the ball away afterwards towards the end of the first half and they had a break and I think it was Trossard or someone had a shot so so they, they could have scored then and I think the fact that Klopp brought off at half time kind of emphasised that he just had a really really bad performance I don't think you can win the league with Nico right back for well, that's the thing that's so we need to get Trent back don't we um, urgently but you know and normally you'd throw a midfielder there but we've got none left yeah, yeah, but yeah, you make a good point with Milner, certainly. It's not about criticising the lad, is it? I mean, it's it's, it's just a reflect. At the, at the end of the day, as fans, we're entitled to say this is you know, uh, all things being well, the best team in the world, one of the best teams in the world. He's ultimately trying to start in the best team in the world, and he doesn't look as though 
he's um, he's good enough. Now he'll be given more time, and we're going to need him, aren't we? But um, he looks like a weak link. Nat Phillips, on the other hand, I thought I don't know what you boys um, thought about it. Seems to have a pretty good game. He was he was busy in the air as he always is. Didn't make any mistakes. I'm just wondering now whether there might be a possibility whether it's in Klopp's mind that if he can mould Phillips as being a reliable partner alongside Matip, if we can keep him fit, that might free up Fabinho to bring him into the midfield. Because I think we might be missing Fabinho in midfield. He gives us a lot of control, both offensively and defensively. Phillips has not let us down, has he? No, what's good about Phillips, James, he looks quite solid defensively. And we know that he's not easy on the eye. I think Klopp's alluded to this, that he's not elegant on the ball. He's not, of course, he's not a Van Dyke. He's a bit like yourself, Andy, isn't he? He's a bit like me, yeah. But he, he does the basic things right. He's good in the air. He's aggressive. That's why I liked it yesterday. He was aggressive on the ball. An old school centre-half. Old school centre-half, yeah. So yeah. He did. As a temporary measure, it may well be that he can come in there and do a job. But then again, we don't know. He may be a player who's prone to an error. If he's against top centre-forwards, is he going to be able to cope with an Aguero, for Well, am I, am I nitpicking to say that he, he was caught out of position for uh, Connolly's chance quite early on? You know, he was dragged out, wasn't he? Yeah. So I think that's maybe the concern that's... with him, really, that he, that he can get dragged, the... dragged in, he can get dragged into positions. He doesn't have that much pace as well. Yeah. But I agree, yeah. he's solid, he's done very, very well. I don't, I don't want to criticise him, but... I think possibly if you start seeing him playing eight or nine games, you might see some. He may cost us a few points potentially, but he's but he's done well. And I think as well, yeah, he's I done th- well. I think maybe he can play with Fabino. I'm not sure he can play with Matip. Yeah. They both played. Was that that was the combo? Or it was Matip and um, Williams against Atalanta. I really think having Fabino at the back. Phillips. Was it Phillips? It Phillips, you meant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They um having Fabino at the back is a bit he's a bit more of a leader and reads the game a bit better. I don't think Matip with Williams or Phillips is is a good combo as a centre half. I think individually they both play with Fabino, but I think you need that organizer, that leader. I know Fabino's not the loudest and stuff, but he reads the game very well and covers up for them. And I don't think Matip offers that same same protection. But I'd love to have Fabinho free to put him in midfield if you could trust them to them, them set up to centre. James, James, yeah, James, isn't it unbelievable now that we're talking about Liverpool's defence and we're talking about Williams, we're talking about Phillips, and we're talking about it's just you would never predict it, would you, at the start of the season that we would be talking about the the central defence being basically key to our season and deciding basically being the decisive factor whether we win the league or not. Because of because of the injuries, yeah. it's just, it's it's crazy, isn't it? This is why you've got to give the you know the team as a whole a bit of a break uh, in terms of stop start results and also the individuals because someone like Nico Williams, you'd want to bring him in next to Van Dyke, Robbo, and Gomez or Matip, but at the moment he 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 isn't having that. The same with Phillips. The other problem is, if you imagine that Liverpool are like this sort of full-strength Liverpool, this well-oiled machine, you know, if you just start to tinker around with maybe one thing, the machine is still very, very effective. But then suddenly you start to pull out another part and then things start to go quite wonky pretty quickly. So we've messed around with the defence. We're missing the centre-halves. We're missing the full-backs. 
And then you pull in players from midfield, like Fabinho, into the back, like Milner to right back. It's just inevitable that you're going to lose some fluency and some and some rhythm. And then you throw in the fact there's a grueling schedule with, with players dropping like flies in every match. So I think Liverpool are just just going to have to try and ride it out. I mean, this is the thing we were saying last week. We're still top of the league. I mean, we're still top of the league now with uh, with Spurs. I mean, you know, despite having a crisis, we're not in a crisis position in the league, are we? Um, and and as, as I said, you know, the next... I, I think the problem is I, I, still, I still feel as though... Um, we should have we should have been able to do better. We should have performed better yesterday with the players we had on the pitch, but that you know to some extent ignores the points that I've that I've already already raised. Matt, I mean, we were pretty unlucky, weren't we, on the on the Mo Salah finish? I mean, he's played through. It's classic Mo. He shows brilliant strength, pace, slots it in, and what is it? His big toe is apparently offside. I mean, those sorts of things could have gone could have gone with us, and we would could have you know stole the win. Yeah, it's just it's just luck, really, that isn't it? Because do you know what? I don't have any complaints about both offsides, really, because I think they were, it was they were both just off. So I think it's I think it's fair, but you know it's obvious that them decisions didn't didn't quite go for us. Well, Mane was off, wasn't he? Mane was clearly off, but 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 Mo wasn't. I mean, there was no. I mean. When you say Mo was off, I mean, what do you agree that his foot was slightly slightly further forward? Because I couldn't see that. I I thought it was slightly offside, yeah, just 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 by a, a little bit, and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how much it's offside by. But I know Paddy, you were saying about the about the Dutch league, weren't you? About the lines, but in the, with the, with the, with the offside as well, which 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 was I thought was quite interesting. In the Dutch League, what they've done is they draw two lines. Each line's five centimetres. And so there has to be daylight between the lines for it to be offside. So it's up to a certain range. Whether you choose five centimetres or ten centimetres, so it has to be clearly offside. In a way, like to, to like an inch offside or two inches offside is clearly offside. When it's, when it's so close and you're measuring against body parts, like the part of the arm or a badge or... A, armpit or something like that it seems a bit silly to me to have such a tight call if it's that close if the lines are touching it goes with the on-field decision that's what they that's what they go with and so it just seems to make a bit more sense yeah because if you got blurry line blurry the, the picture of, of Salah's foot is blurry there's also a shot of their defender and his and his foot is ahead of his body even though he's shaped a certain way it's like was well, his foot or his hip should be measured there's lots of different things when you're talking about such such accuracy. So by giving yourself a little bit of a margin, then you can say, well, if it's more than a, an inch or so, then he's clearly offside. We've, we've added this margin in here. And it's, it's the same the other way. If, he's, if he looks a little bit onside, but there's not a much in, you give the benefit of the doubt and you go with the uh, the linesman or the referee's decision. That's know. the way they play it in, yeah. in, in Holland, which, which, which I think makes more, it make more sense. You also mentioned as well... Yeah. Um, James, and if you, you would have picked it up, the ball from from Firmino for Salah for that offside goal was was amazing, and perhaps it gives us a bit of a reminder of how he's back. He's, he's well, he's back, yeah, but it just reminds us reminds us of the class that Firmino has. He's never been gone, has he? And well, no, but some Liverpool <laughs> fans you, you see on Twitter, don't you? And they've saying, "Oh, Firmino," and we've discussed about him dropping in form, but 
we all know, don't we? He's a he's a top player, but it's the front four now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the front four. four. That's the that's the main thing. Isn't that it? that's the only thing that's going for such well at the moment. We've still got those four players, and as long as we've still got that attacking threat, then we've then we've got a, we've got a chance of beating anyone. And Jota at the moment is absolutely on fire, isn't he? His goals, his goal was class, wasn't it? Absolute class. Absolute class, yeah. Yeah, and he just shows we eight eight and eight at the moment, and nine and twelve in Premier and Champions League. Like he's. He's doing the business. It's just that composure for the goal. Just not taking a rash yeah. shot. Just letting the space open up at the right time, the right moment. And the top players have that that eye for the goal, that, that insight into when they need to strike the ball. It sounds a bit stupid, that, but it almost seemed it almost in slow motion. He was sort of dancing and gliding across. Well, it's composure, isn't it? Yeah, the defenders. It's a bit of a just, Torres uh, finish, wasn't it? Or Suarez. We've yeah. seen Suarez Don't mention his name. Yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we can't mention those, those players, but Amazing. yeah, a really impressive goal from Jota demonstrates what he's been doing since he's been in the team, which is scoring goals and making a difference. Yeah. I mean, Jota's been a revelation. You've got a pun, haven't you, James? What's your favourite pun or something? Oh, no, it was, it, was on, it was on BT Sport, wasn't it? No one's hotter than Jota. I thought it was a, a classic. I mean, there's got to be some cheesy T-shirt that's going to come out in the old merch for that. No one's hotter than Jota. But before we leave the game, boys, it seems, uh, or it would seem remiss of me not to mention Klopp's sort of uh, apoplectic uh, post-match reaction to, uh, to the annoying in- uh, interview questions of Des Kelly. I mean, um, I don't know how you all feel about this. I mean, I, I am starting to think that um, although Klopp is perfectly within his rights to express how frustrated he is, I, I just I just wonder whether it's getting in the players' heads. I don't know if it's a good thing for them psychologically that he's raising all of these issues. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know whether it, it's it's kind of giving them an excuse or what. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but um, it must be so difficult, James. You've just finished the game. You've, you've conceded a late penalty. It's a particularly controversial penalty, and you've got to then speak to the media. And I think some of the questions that were posed were a bit annoying, weren't they? They ask him the same questions all the time, and he's been saying that he doesn't want to give an answer because you're going to make headlines. And then he gets asked the same question, and they squeeze it out of him. Don't yeah, how how angry are we after after a game as well? Imagine Klopp, when we tried yeah. to talk, we didn't even talk to each other, did we? After the game, because we're all sort of in, annoyed about the performance. But so we all sat in different rooms. What's it? Klopp has to then come out to the media, and he he's asked a question. He comments upon it. James, I thought it was a bit unreasonable what he said. To be honest, he brings in um, Chris Wilder, doesn't he? Dragging up that dispute. Which I don't didn't think it was very professional. Not that's not the way Klopp deals with things. He normally parked it to one side, but he got got involved in that. Got a sly digging as well, didn't he? He said there was a Sheffield United have got one point or something. <laughs> Just you know, because Chris Wilder picked up on it as well. But yeah, then he then goes on to make the broadcaster point, saying, "Well, it's you." pointing the finger at um, Des Kelly for doing it personally <laughs> and Des Kelly hold, hold, holding his hands up saying well um, it's the Premier League so he just got embroiled in that dispute he didn't need to do it but we all understand why because he's asked the question as Paddy says in an atmosphere um, or in a context of having just been the, the, the full three points being taken away from the it, team. it might not be but from this point of view it seems this way 
is it you know, people talk about it's being harder to defend the league next year and the way and the gap we won it by are people just doing all they can to drag us back down do you know what I mean in a way like certain teams because you're the team to beat they, they play better against you when you're at the top it's, it's can we get under the skin like you know like Neville for example was saying Mo Salah was going to leave last season with, based on nothing they're trying to cause cracks and trying to wind up well, trying to it wind is, up it? it's just, it's just to get under circus, his skin it? because we're the best team I, I think Pat I think I think there's, there's absolutely no conspiracy against Liverpool it just so happens as we've said before that we've just been really unlucky this season with um, injuries and with uh, VAR decisions but at some point Matt at some point, we're going to get our players back and then there's going to be a, a, a reckoning, isn't there? Yeah, no, I just want to Klopp's, uh, obviously Klopp's a great guy, isn't he? And, he, and he? and he's passionate. And I think he's entitled to. And, and you know, he, he is looking after the welfare of the players as well. And, and what I, with, with this five substitute rule, what is clear is that the championship, they've got five substitutes. All the teams in your, all the leagues in European football have got five substitutes. Why? Why are the Premiership this this spe- the Premier League this special case where no actually you can only have a free substitute? You know, fifteen of the sixteen clubs voted for that anyway. So you can see how there is a massive underlying frustration, particularly when players are going players are just going down. You know, we're having almost an injury every single it's game. Not even injuries as well. You're going to get COVID as well. With COVID, we've had a couple of cases already. Yeah. Newcastle have had five cases this week. Where's where's the common sense? It's just so so. It's just all built up, you see. But what what I will say is that this will not affect Klopp long term. I, I think he will just brush it off, and and when he wants to, he will make a decision not to mention it again, and and it'll be, and it'll be um, it'll just kind of be forgotten. The players will come back as well. So so I think it's just one of these. It's just one of these storms at the moment that we've got to try and weather. Hence, you'll never walk alone. Why is it when we play on Wednesday that we play at twelve thirty on Saturday? The way I look at it is that um, the problem that Liverpool have, problem the manager has, is that ultimately the Premier League is all about, as well as football, money, and it's about maximising profits. And ultimately, that means that the Premier League's got in bed with the broadcasters. And the broadcasters therefore have, because they pay for it, a massive amount of, tr- of control on fixtures. But at, at the same time, why why is it that Liverpool can't play at five thirty or on Saturday night, and and they can still broadcast it? There must be a way uh, of um, resolving the fixtures so that it's fair to everyone who's played in Europe on a Wednesday. And that's probably what's so infuriating because at the end of the day, Klopp's looking at it and saying, well. I know if we play at 12.30 that we're going to pick up an injury. Well, broadcasters have got it right, haven't they? They've got it right because what's happened is the shock results happened. We beat Brighton with another day's rest and um, Klopp's kicked off. They've got, they've got great value for money, haven't they? Yeah. And they, they, he's, had a go, yeah. he's had a go at BT. Now they're just going to put two fingers up and probably book us in at half 12. Yeah, again. yeah. They'll, they'll probably change the Wolves fixtures to half 12, won't they, next week? I mean, as I said earlier, coming coming on to the week ahead, we've got Ajax at home on on Tuesday. That's become a really important game after last uh, week's uh, shock defeat at home against Atalanta. Um, We're probably going to have to play with the same squad of players that we had for this weekend, minus Millie. 
So presumably Nico Williams starts. I don't know whether Nat Phillips is going to p- play or whether Fabinho will slot back. Probably that will happen in, into into centre-half. Um, and then we've got Wolves at home, haven't we, on Sunday? But that's going to be a bit of a special occasion because we should have circa 2,000 fans in Anfield. I think that's possibly the one of the first games where we'll see fans back uh in in a in a football stadium post covid so but you know um a week's a long time in football isn't it and you know we we you'd back us to beat ajax at home on tuesday but you know they're no mugs and uh we're not we're not playing at our best at the moment it's going to be a difficult one for for selection but i think matip will be back won't he and then he might as you said he might play fabino in centre midfield i don't know um but at least we've got Henderson back because Henderson played, come on and played really, really well and there was, there was control in the game. So I'm assuming that Henderson and Wijnaldum will, will play in midfield and actually we'll have the fa- we'll have, he might even go for the Fab Four against Ajax um, and, yes. play, and play all four because we, we've got that. If, if we beat Ajax, yeah. then we're pretty much guaranteed to finish top. I think we have to draw into Michelin or something. So yeah. let's do that and give the lads a rest. If... And then it also buys a bit of time for there's a week or two extra. We might have Ox and Tiago and Trent back, and that's what we're waiting for the cavalry now. So we just need just need those lads to hold one last stand and play a couple of games. Um, but you can see Ronaldo looks tired, and um, and Mane looks shattered as well. Good, it was good that he had a break. What we absolutely need to do, uh, Andy, is get some players in in January. I mean, this is just an exceptional season. I mean, there's talk. Uh, on social media about assigning two centre-halves at some point, presumably not in January, but in the summer. That up and Camo from uh, Leipzig and uh, Shaw from Ajax, and we'll have a look at him on Tuesday. But I think they're going to have to have a look at how, how the squad is in January. Um, but I would, I would be surprised if he doesn't, if he, if he, if he doesn't dip in and get at least one, one player in, in January, because we just need, we need, we need a player for the, for the push, I think so. A short-term fix, a centre half who's not going to attract a weighty fee. Um, but I can't see Liverpool going out, going out and spending forty to fifty million on centre half because it just ignores the fact that you've got Van Dijk and Gomez to come back. So I see if we are going to do any business, trying to secure someone who's going to be a safe pair of hands for the the remaining part of the season. I don't think there's any going to be any bold move. But you but you could argue though that Gomez's injury record has been pretty blighted over the last couple of years. Matic has barely played. You could argue that there's a slot available next to Van Dijk for a long term. Someone who's gonna keep stay fit. In the current climate, though, what top team are going to release a centre half? Every team knows that there's that possibility of becoming thin on the ground. So it it seems to me unlikely we're going to get a a big name in or for that matter, an experienced top-class centre-half, is going to be one of those who can come in, um, maybe a Cody. Oh, what about if we bring uh, Skirtle back? Skirtle back, yeah. Skirtle's playing... <laughs> Skirtle's, is, who, who's he playing for? He's, he's got her now. Is he, playing, is he playing for the Turkish team? Was it the seat task, was it? No, he's not. He's, he's playing for in some Turk, Turkish side. He's Skirtle's popped up back. on TV with her the other day. He's laughing me Yeah, no. Oh, we could be really desperate and ask, and ask Raggy to come out of... Uh, Retirement and if he is, and that's if he is retired. <laughs> Dejan Lovren needs to get him back, don't we? Yeah. Second or third best centre half 
in the world. Yeah, well, I, th- I think if we can bring in uh, a, a top quality centre-half in January, in other words, a player that they want to bring in in the summer, if they can bring that forward, they will. I mean, I, I mean, Ajax, for example, might be out of the Champions League by then. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, by getting a centre-half, it frees up Fabinho. You've got an extra midfielder. Yeah, you need that. So, you? I mean, it, it, he's been pinned to centre-half at the moment. Yeah, I think I think Fabinho, apart from obviously the obvious ones, I think he's got to be our most valuable player at the moment, isn't he? You know, because because he has so much composure to decide. He can play centre back and he can play centre midfield, and he just looks he looks brilliant in both positions. <laughs> so we've got to try and keep him yeah. fit as well. I think we need to keep that spine fit of Ali, yeah. Fabinho, Hendo, and then well, obviously yeah, exactly. If we can do that, then we'll have a chance. We can stay up yeah. there and yeah. be competitive until March, April, and hopefully the fans and the uh, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Back. Well, that's it. I, I I think I think when you when you're removing parts of the engine, when you take out Hendo, that makes a massive difference. I mean, some some have a bigger influence than others, but if you can get keep Hendo in there, try to keep the fullbacks fit, the goalkeeper you know, fit and that, that provides a strong base then. But listen boys, uh we're gonna wrap things up now. Um despite all of the the injustice and bad luck, we're still top of the league. We're still in prime position to qualify for the knockout stage of the Champions League. Um we've 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 got um amazing players to come back and we've got the you know the signing of the summer in Jota who's on red hot form. So there's definitely things to be positive about and uh Let's hope we can get two wins, you know, in the next seven days or so, and then we'll be feeling confident for the uh, the run ahead. Thanks very much for joining me, and um, up the Reds. You've been listening to Brothers Red, an LFC fan podcast. Your host was James Cullen. Contributors were Matthew, Francis, Patrick, and Andrew Cullen. Music and production by Helen Lyon. The best word I can say when Kevin describes this was boom. <laughs> <laughs>